Welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. This episode is with Moritz Grub, who is the founder and creative director of the creative agency Amsterdam Berlin. And him and I met like three weeks ago on a project with Porsche Race Service and his company, Amsterdam Berlin. And in getting to work with him and learning the bits of his story, I was really interested and fascinated in what he did and how he got to where he was at. So at the end of the project, we were like, yo, let's do a podcast. And this episode is exactly that. And I learned so much more about his story and walked away with this real inspiration of talking to somebody who genuinely loves what they do. But the unique part about it for this episode is I realized I haven't really talked to somebody from a creative agency side of things. And I was so inspired by him having the amount of integrity that he does and not just trying to sell people things they don't need, but really trying to get big ideas across that actually matter and finding really creative ways to advertise that and to communicate that. And I think those fundamentals are really insightful and valuable for anyone listening. So with all of that said, let's get right into a great episode. Here we go. Where are all my friends sitting down with Moritz Groove? 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 <laughs> all right my new german friend that i yeah, am so excited to, to have on this podcast glad to be on your podcast bro we met like three or four weeks ago like we i've only on, been here for two and a half so i mean what we talked on the phone or on like a zoom call like that's true a week or two before that yes and for the listener the reason i'm so excited about this is i had no idea who you were we were doing a project most people don't <laughs> everyone here is like looking at the title like who the fuck is this guy exactly yeah <laughs> that's what i wonder sometimes well you'll about you're about to find out but yes um the reason i'm excited for this one is we were doing a project with Ray service and this company called amsterdam berlin and i didn't really know too much about it i was like all right creative agency they're from europe seems cool and then we did this project with Porsche, Race Service, Amsterdam, Berlin, and it was the most fun I've had on a project and I don't know how long. And throughout all of it, you and I have been able to work together and you are a co-owner of the company, right? Yes. Right, co- yeah. Yes. I'm one of the founders and co-owner. And Yeah. Yet you and I have just been like fucking with each other the whole time and it's been so fun and I've like really come to respect what you do while you keep things so fun and so light. And I feel like I learned a little bit about you, but I think this will be a really fun episode because I don't really know how you actually got your start in all this. <laughs> and I've been having a lot of fun with you and seeing you do some cool stuff. So thank you. Well, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure working with you too. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, it was a, was a weird one, but definitely a very good outcome. And I think, you know, it, it's, it's, um yeah (laughs) dude and us just like going from like your friendliness is really sometimes it's very disarming (laughs) it's disarming a little bit i just like which we germans don't like well i like the i like the comparison of you like from day one i was like be as german as you want like be super direct tell me stuff sucks because it's so easy to get things done but then I'm just like so like chilling and ripping jokes all the time. And somehow you would either think that we would hate each other or end no. up like super getting along. No, I, I really, I told you I would like to take you to Germany. So I yeah. I, I think it's the latter. <laughs> hey, um, y'all. Visiting y'all, here from Germany. Y'all visiting from Germany or what? <laughs> no, I think I think it's been a great experience. And I, I have to say that you guys and, and Ray Service and you in particular, because you were the producer on this, really made a you know, like gave us a great time in LA. And and I have to also say, like in the past when I've been here, I wasn't the biggest LA fan. I mean, it's a cool city and I always liked the weird plasticky vibe it has. <laughs> but but this time around it was really it was really nice and it was really heartfelt. And yesterday we did movie night, which yeah. was also I haven't done that since I was like 16, I think. Yeah. I also loved how everybody just got up and left when the movie was done. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. It's like, you know, you watch a movie, that's like, okay, movie's done, let's go. That's all. Um, I'm also glad we found out that Kirsten Dunst was actually not eight, but twelve in the yeah, movie. Yeah, she was twelve as panic room. If you haven't wasn't, watched Wasn't was it Kirsten Dunst? Yeah. Yeah. Wait. No, Kristen well, Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Kristen exactly, Dunst is exactly. uh, Kirsten. Not yeah, Kristen. Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> but yeah, it was. <laughs> she's, great. she's a child in an interview with a vampire, which is also a great film. I didn't know that. 
actually? I think it is. Yeah. No. Yeah. Of course. That's somebody that's a nuns. huge fan is going to look it up and be like, "Not true." No, it is true. It is totally true. I watched it the other day. Oh shit! I rewatched Interview with a Vampire because they have a Family Guy episode where Peter Griffin's like wearing a shirt that billows in the wind, <laughs> even when he's inside, and he's called himself Estad. I remember. And that. then I rewatched Interview with a Vampire, and it's a horrible movie. Yeah. Fuck but, it. You know. Well, anyway. <laughs> What I normally like to do on the podcast is, as we get into it, I'm sure people will learn, but very briefly, for people who don't know who you are, uh, a quick explanation of who you are and what you do and what your title is. Well, my name is Moritz Grub, as we learned. It's impossible to say. That's no, super simple. <laughs> I'm founder and creative director of Amsterdam Berlin, which is a creative agency. As the name gives away, we have an office in Amsterdam and in Berlin, which is the main office, which is also where we reside. You've also met my partner, Vince, and our lovely Lena, who's lounging over there on the couch. Hello. What's up? <laughs> and yeah. Um, no, so I started, I started um, quite early. I studied communication sciences, it's called, I think. Mm. and i hated that i absolutely did not like that and then i started actually in account management which is somebody something that nobody knows really yeah, yeah, yeah. it was just, it was a very short 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 internship and we learned that i might not be the best account manager but then okay but we that's so broad that i can maybe do other things better account management in what field oh it's advertising okay okay yeah, yeah no no advertising and and i mean i started first at, at my friend's agency who, who i knew from partying and basically then that ended up being us sitting in his office talking about girls and smoking a million cigarettes a day um so that wasn't a very productive internship i guess <laughs> and and yeah and then i did the second internship and i was still in account management and that was also not the most productive i remember the agency was a was a big agency in munich and and they worked for audi so I there learned that I might be better in, in the creative field. And, and then I did another internship at this other agency who was doing the global campaigns for McDonald's. Oh, wow. In, from Munich, actually. They at the time just did the I'm Loving It campaign with Justin Timberlake and so on. And so I did another internship there um, working on the McDonald's account. And I just loved that. And then I started like making my own films, like, you know, creating ads next to my ads that I was creating as a job. I was actually making a lot of spec work. I had this friend called Fritz and and this other guy called Lucas Becker. And and the three of us started at night doing films and and spec work. And I remember we were making this stop motion film. We had like a, a whole floor that was being torn down. So we created this 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 um this little film, which was a stop motion film, where we built these tanks out of old office printers. <laughs> And, and had them shoot rockets at each other and created this like whole war field in this old torn down office floor. And we used all the printers and, and copy machines and so on to actually create these like bizarre looking war machines. And then they were like shooting at each other and so on. And so we created this like two and a half minute long stop motion film. And then had like another film, which was about sugar being bad for you. And it was this sugar cube, like costume. We actually made this costume with like huge <laughs> googly eyes of this sugar cube. That was just fucking with people. That was, you know, like like uh, helping a blind person cross the road and then just left him in the middle of the road. And, you know, <laughs> like sugar uh, just doing terrible yeah, shit Yeah, to horrible people. things. Stealing, stealing money from homeless people and so on. Just like being a complete asshole. And and yeah, so we started making a lot of this spec work, and and then it was I remember it was between me and and Jenny, this other girl that was also copywriter intern there, who gets the job, and I didn't get it because I apparently am not am not you know usable enough in in daily work situations. They felt like I was a bit too exotic, maybe. Uh, you might have to fill me in on certain like agencies terms. So spec work is when it's just for you, right? Well, like, spec it's work you is doing... work that a lot of agencies do to win awards. Oh, you know? okay. And and I just did it because you know you don't always get the chance to do the work you want to do creatively. So we just started doing our own work okay. that we wanted to do and that we thought was awesome and and great and and we just did that instead. And, and yeah, okay. Yeah, and then Jenny got the job, not fucking me. Damn it, fucking Jenny. Um, but, Jenny. but that made me, you know, 
create my first proper portfolio. And then I remember it was at the time was Jung von Matt and Springer and Jacobi and a couple of these agencies in Hamburg. Mm -hmm. It was Jung von Matt and Springer and Jacobi and, and two or three other agencies at the time in Germany. They were all in Hamburg that um, that were awesome. And they were just the agencies you looked up to and were like, oh, my God, that's awesome. Yeah, and and so I, I I made my portfolio and I applied to most of them. I think four or five agencies, and yeah, and I thought I would have no chance. And then I I, I was invited by all of them to really? to go to Hamburg and see them and you know um, do interviews and and then afterwards I didn't expect that, but I actually got four job offers and from or five or whatever it was. So every literally every of the, every one of these agencies offered me a job as a junior copywriter. And so I went with Jung von Matt, which was my absolute dream agency at the oh time. My, how old were you? Oh, 21, 22. Oh, so young. Like oh, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. Like, I okay. To, I went to school in England. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in Northwest England, close to Blackpool. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so because it's a I bit, it was a bit like like Hogwarts, just without magic. It was actually a very grim place. You so you took the train in, and there was still Dementors, no, but you no, just no, didn't no, get no, a no. wand. I, 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 there was no train, unfortunately. <laughs> there was a lot of Dementor like. <laughs> Wait, but okay, because I feel like I love Harry Potter. By the way, it's really awesome. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. It's a cool. Yeah. I've seen all Harry Potters at least. You four can't or five hate times. on Harry Potter. No, it, it's, it's great. Like it's, it's very really special. It's extremely good. <laughs> it's extremely good. But actually, Lena wanted to go to Harry Potter World. Oh yeah, that's here yeah. in LA. That's a good destination. I know, I know. Done it. We we didn't have time. You got a day? Uh, no. No, uh, like unfortunately, couldn't make it. Damn it. Yeah, so Jung von Matt. And then I spent two very awesome years at, at Jung von Matt. And and this guy, Sascha Hanke, was my first creative director, actually saw something in me and and gave me the chance to to do awesome shit. And we did do with my partner Michael at the time, Michael Okun. We did do a lot of awesome shit together and had a great time. Then we were basically living at the office for, for two and a half years and, and made some really amazing work. We created for this concert hall in Dortmund, classical concert hall. We created like a film made from blood and, and like we did a lot of really, really great work and, and won a lot of awards. Yeah. And so I decided I need to, after I think two and a half years, I decided I need to go to New York. Like and, New York and, City, like yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, like New York City, and and I was like, fuck, you know, I have all these awards now, so I need to go to New York and and you know work in New York and be at the best agency in New York. And yeah. for me, it was always about making amazing work. It was yeah. never about money. It was completely not interesting to me at the time. Okay, wait, I have and, to pause though because there's like a big piece of your story that I'm very curious of. So this podcast started as just music and it was me talking to a lot of my friends that had had some involvement in music and then it was kind of just like well we all have parallels in creative careers and if you've done stuff like that it kind of we all speak the same language there's this like entrepreneurial feeling finding what you love pro skater oh but that's like, like that. the entrepreneurial part is far far away still at this well, well but what i'm stage. curious of is like I've never had a you on the podcast. I've never had somebody that went to Maybe school. Maybe I'm unique. Mm, but like who went to school and from day one kind of had the lane of copywriting, ad agency, creative agency. Well, no, I finished my my studies at night, actually. I was already working at, at an agency. These first internships, I finished my studies at night in parallel. That's because I hated it and I just wanted to start working and, and wanted to start doing things. But you knew, like, from, from early, well, like, what is that, probably around I mean, 18? 21. Okay. I also organized parties when I was younger. Oh, really? Yeah, that was great. Oh, that was awesome. word. That, that was feels awesome. very German of you that for some so reason. <laughs> that was so good. So, but oh, like, that was a good time. I'm just curious, like, you didn't, was it, like, filmmaker? Like, because, like, you know, I'll no, talk to certain people no, that are I, photographers, I, I, videographers, like, no, I mean, I also photograph. I'll tell you about that later. I, I used to shoot a bit more. Now it's a bit less. I also direct sometimes when I have campaigns that I'm extremely passionate about or when it's a project where I have yeah. a good vision for it and a good visual idea of how I want it to be. And I also sometimes direct. I've done that a couple of times. But I think, you know, ultimately, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, not my, it's not my main focus. And I'm a creative director. And I, I think it's good to, to stay with what you, what you know and, and do that really well. Well, that's what's so interesting to me. Because I agree. But I'm like realizing almost in real time, like, damn, how have I never spoken to a proper creative director? Like, that's such an important piece in all of these fields and all these careers. And I kind of like to do this pod with the idea that maybe somebody who's trying to figure out a career is like listening oh, yeah, absolutely. and it's like a whole line of work 
that I, I mean, didn't realize. I think um, um, Banksy said at some point. I think it was Banksy. I'm not. I'm not a thousand percent sure. So I hope I'm correct. But um, he said at some point the reason why he hates advertising is because it sucks up all the great creative talent and nobody wants to do art anymore. Whoa! And I feel like that's gone back a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I was a bit late to the party, but in the in the in the seventies, eighties, and nineties, you know, these were the creative rock stars. Those were the guys that were doing amazing shit. Yeah, and were getting paid tons of money doing it. Yeah. Right. So if you read like Ninety Nine Cent by Frederic Bechbedel, a French advertising creative turned author, he wrote a whole book about it. Really? He wrote a, ro- a whole book about it called 99 Cents, which then was turned into a movie. And it's a bit, you know, the rock star side of it all. But having, I mean, I, like I said, I was a bit late, but I've seen bits of it, right? And and at the time, you know, it, it was the, the advertising creatives were like rock stars, right? In the, yeah. in the 70s, 80s, 90s, this was like, wow, amazing. I mean, you've seen Mad Men probably. I think Mad Men for sure. Which is, which is of course, you know, that's how it started. But but there was definitely, when I started, there was still elements to that, even though for us, it was never so much about the money or about, you know, parties and so on. For, for, for me, it was always about creating amazing work. And I, what I loved about advertising is that you, first of all, were solving problems. It was not just, you know, doing something for the sake of doing it, but you were actually solving a problem and and you were a communicative problem. Yeah. And also the funds we got to to make our our ideas and to to bring them to life were of course astonishing. Right. right. I mean we you know, I remember one of the first films I wrote with my with my partner we got like a, a million dollar budget to make it, you know, and and which of course is also rare, but for that was amazing at the time, right? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, just... I wasn't allowed to go on the shoot back then, but but still, you know, it, it was amazing to to write an idea and then see it come to life well, in with that kind of funding behind it. Well, it's nuts too because like I think about the music industry and the parallels yeah. and all of that. And you kind of have to learn advertising. I think it, it, even past music, you have to learn how to advertise yourself, right? Like oh, you yeah, have become course. the product. Yet we spend all this time working on music, entertainment, any of these things, accidentally learning how to advertise. But then there's this oh, yeah, whole cool there's lane whole, well, there's a whole where you science start, it, of yeah. Course, right? And and I think for me, I was I was I had all my I had won all my awards, and you know I was quite proud of myself and a bit a bit full of myself. Maybe <laughs> too, you know, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to New York now. And of course, nobody in New York. I was a junior copywriter at the time. The the costs of of visas, etc., alone are are too expensive to like. You don't do that, right? You do that from a senior position and up you know they they start to bring in european talent foreign talent yeah oh, so, so i, I wrote the all these applications you know to all these new york agencies quit my job of course before i had a new job which wasn't <laughs> too smart maybe retrospectively but you know it also put up the pressure right so i hadn't i didn't have a job anymore i quit and 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 then I had to find something new. So I sent out my application to all these New York agencies to the best of the best. And I didn't get one fucking reply. No. <laughs> so like, okay, and you're that, in New York at this time? That, that went kind of bad. No, I was in, I was in Hamburg still. And, oh, okay, and okay. you know, so that, that didn't go as I planned. And then I, I went to, I started to apply in Europe, you know, and in Amsterdam and in Copenhagen and Sweden. And, and I started to go to these places and went to Amsterdam to interview with, with Amsterdam worldwide at the time which is the agency that will later come back because that's how Amsterdam Berlin developed. So I met with Richard Gorodecki there who became a great creative director and who became a very dear friend of mine and and went to Copenhagen and met with a man there called Per Pedersen and and he saw something in me and became a sort of a mentor figure and he gave me my first international job in Copenhagen. We started oh, our yeah. first the first campaign we did was was a um, for a sex shop called Lust, really, Reagan. and we created this this print campaign that was like these huge out of home prints where we got a children's book illustrator to draw the story of the birds and the bees, just that they were literally fucking quite explicitly, <laughs> right? And you had a you had a you had a bird that that was gagged by by this bee that was pounding it, and this other bee was was you know that's uh, your first like giant yeah, campaign yeah, yeah. no i wasn't giant it was just in copenhagen but that's the first job i did with pear peters in in in, in copenhagen it was, it was an amazing campaign it was the story and i think the claim was or the the campaign model was a uh, lust a little less innocent and it was just like these beautiful illustrations of the birds and the bees fucking 
Wow. Um, That's also another funny thing to think about. Like I think about advertising and it feels very generic, corporate, keep it safe. So you're telling me these Oh no, that was never, I've never, that was never what I did. Never. Yeah. Because all the, that's why I said for, for, for me, it was at the time always about the quality of the work. And I, I didn't care about the money. That was always secondary. I wanted to be at the most creative agencies doing the most creative work. But that's rare, no, to have that. I mean, oh, like, yeah, sure, of course, that of integrity, course, we course. all well, seek of that. Course. But to be that it's young. Well, it's a choice, you know. Ultimately, I, I sacrificed other things and I went abroad and I did this step and I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I put a lot of passion and a lot of work behind not making the the most money but behind making the best work but that's making been the there best campaigns and the yeah. best you know best creative possible and yeah i and, fuck with that though because at, a, at an early age it's easy to compromise that integrity and take the check oh yeah well but that's not very far-sighted i think you know no and and i had a bit of a plan i have to admit and i thought well first of all this was was what i liked doing yeah and i liked getting the rewards for it in form of first of all shiny award things and so on i I later threw them all away i only kept one of them (laughs) such a because it it seemed it seemed bullshit to me after a while but at the time it was it was super amazing and important and awesome to me and that was the most important thing is doing amazing work and winning awards with it yeah and we did and and in i stayed in copenhagen for a while i then met my my creative partner rainer lotz Okay. Who became a, a, a very dear friend and like a brother, basically. And we traveled the world together for the next four to five years. No way. Doing more amazing work. We lived in South Africa for a while. We went to Amsterdam. We've been to London, to Dusseldorf also. Again with Per Pedersen, who, who pops up. And from time to time in my life when you're traveling like that like that sounds fucking awesome and i know that like well, I you're know... not traveling you're living there we lived in amsterdam for a whole year we had okay. an apartment there and we lived there for a year and did our job there and then we moved to another country and lived there for a year and you know how does and... that work like who do, or is that you going because clients are based there or is that no, you going agency, to just you work be... for the agency you apply for an agency to uh-huh. work with them and they hire you and you work there Okay. And then when you don't want to work there anymore, you quit your job and you work somewhere else. I see. So you were just like working with a lot of different agencies, getting well. I mean, I was just working there between one and two years because I thought at this time it was important to work in different countries for different agencies with different people and make great work and learn whilst you're doing it. Right. So that's what we did. And but that's not a traditional path. Like that no, was it's not. You. It's okay, not. And okay. at some point, you know, I, I remember I had a huge discussion with Rainer, Per Pedersen, the guy from Copenhagen, right? He, yeah. he went up the ranks internally at Gray, which is a huge agency network. Yeah. So Per called me one day and he's like, hey, Moritz, you know, it's Per. How are you? And and he asked me, like, ah, I'm going to be the new head of uh, of uh, Grey Dusseldorf in Germany. Do you want to come and uh, work with me there? It's our job to make the agency creatively great again. I was like, absolutely fucking not, man. <laughs> because, you know, Grey Dusseldorf was known to be a, to be a shit show in terms of creative, right? Like, yeah, just I mean, like they played it safe. Well, like they're huge, the they're huge, but none of the big American networks from Madman times like Grey, TBWA, BBA, uh, DDB, uh, and so on, all the Bs, Ds, Os, and so on, you know, like all the combinations you have in that world. <laughs> never really made it in Germany because Germans are fucking Germans and, and it's not so easy, right, to do great creative work in, in, in a market like Germany, especially when you're coming from the outside. Interesting. So the task was to make Grey Dusseldorf a very dusty, giant agency creatively better, right? Yeah. So my partner, Reyna, was saying, fuck this, we're not doing that. We're going to Crispin Porta and Bugaski, who were just lo- relocated to from Miami to Boulder at the time, which was probably one of the best agencies in the world. And we had a job offer there as a senior creative team, or we could join Per Pedersen, who I have a lot of respect for and who's a madman but also he literally is a madman but also brilliant creative yeah and and strategist and i i saw a chance in that and i thought it's amazing to go to this agency that's super profitable giant agency but creatively completely run down yeah rather go there and see if you can swing that around and see if you can actually make amazing work in in an environment like that. Yeah. Then going to another great creative agency and again do great creative work for great clients that do great work and so on. So I I convinced Rainer, my partner, which took a while. 
actually took quite a while. Um, and we went to Düsseldorf. Really? And yeah, and we arrived and we were like, fucking hell, that might have been the wrong choice. Well, yeah, because I <laughs> but, was just thinking, as you were saying that, I've made this mistake in my career before where I worked at a label that kind of had like the old stigma mm -hmm. of like, oh, like, you know, they used to be cool, whatever. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but I have all these ideas. And I was like, I can do this, whatever. And then it was kind of this sad, discouraging thing where it was like, oh, we're an old dog and we don't want your new tricks. No, no, no. We were we were specifically hired for new tricks. Okay. And okay. we had we had a deal that entitled us to pull it off. Okay. And it was amazing, you know, because you we went I went through the agency and and you know, and we we made friends with everyone. And suddenly I go to this room and there's like six guys sitting there with all these like coals, you know, and 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 pencils and so on. And I was like, well, hey, well, guys, what, what are you doing here? What is this? They're like, oh, um, illustration department. I'm like, wait a minute. You you guys are six illustrators that we have on staff. And they were like, yeah. I was like, that's amazing. What do you do? And they're like, oh, no, we're drawing, you know, stuff. So it turned out that this agency had a union, which is oh. super rare. Normally, advertising agencies don't have that, right? Yeah. But because they were so big and because they were so old school, they had a union. So these six in-house illustrators were old creative directors that didn't make the jump to 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 digital. Wow. So so you but had then they're these, in a union, so they're yeah, still... so you can't fire them. So you have these six guys that probably make north of 150k per year. Um and are just sitting there drawing shit that you know isn't really needed anymore. So I was like, well, but that's awesome. Let's make shit together. Let's let's make so things. you used so it? I, yeah, of course we used it. Hold on. <laughs> of course. Totally. We had storyboards drawn drawn in coal. Oh my! We had like black God. and we started making black and white storyboards, handcrafted, drawn in coal. It was amazing. I wish, there's no and way you have any of those. So still, good. There? I might find some. Yeah, I that's find sick. Some. We made one campaign for for Zeat, which was a client we had at the agency, and I was like, well, let's you know, like let's make an illustrated campaign. Yeah. So we made this campaign for Zeat, which was. You, you always saw scenes of accidents, right? A crossroad. Oh, yeah. And there's a car that's totaled, right? Yeah. Completely fucking racked. And yeah. Zayat standing on the other side has no scratch. And mm. the totaled car is actually a clown's car. And there's like 50 clowns around it that are super pissed off, right? <laughs> and then it says the new Zayat Ibiza is so safe it's not even funny. <laughs> You always had these accident situations with these racked clown cars and a bunch of super pissed off clowns, and yeah. And you had that like that was like fully oh, we illustrated. That we co was completely hand drawn illustrated. Was that a campaign. flex? Like when you would pitch stuff like oh, that? It was awesome. It, would, it was okay. awesome. It was really. It, it was no. We made the campaign. The final campaign was illustrated. Oh oh, oh oh oh. It was it oh. was a beautiful, beautifully crafted, handmade campaign. It was absolutely so you, like, fantastic. You really turned that to your advantage. You said, yes. okay, I'm at. This yes, old school yeah, agency, yeah, yeah, we're gonna yeah, do something yeah, yeah, that no one yeah, else can do. Yeah, exactly, it was great. It was really, really great. Where do you and, think and that then comes we won, from? I mean, I have to say, and then also we 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 really managed to win a gold lion in Cannes after the first four months we've been there. Yeah, with a film for the German Tierschutzbund. The Tierschutzbund. Tierschutzbund, of course, which is German <laughs> Animal Rights Protection. Oh, bet foundation so we made a film for them with a monkey this little monkey black and white animation film with this little monkey sitting in his cage in an abstract cage it was just a black room and the monkey had a white face and white hands and a white chest uh -huh. and the rest was all black yeah and then he was sitting there shaking his head you know and you go into the eye of the monkey and and you have this world of terror inside it you know with like these monkeys ripping out their own skulls with the spine still attached Holy and then shit. the spine got metal up as fuck with and, that and and turn to the scientist who would then play them like puppets like have all these like dead monkey bodies on strings and play them like puppets that sounds and, like a metal album oh yeah it was insane it was yeah. absolutely it was really cool i had this friend at the time called Mathieu Mazzotti Colombo mm. shout out to Mathieu there amazing amazing illustrator really a brilliant illustrator and animator also he could draw these amazing camera camera moves from his imagination Whoa. so he would just like you know animation you trace on trace on trace on trace right you you like you line it up and then you trace 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 and he could do these amazing camera rotations and spins and from his from his imagination it was absolutely astonishing work and then you know 
So we made this film and, and that won Golden Cannon. When a film wins Golden Cannon, normally it does the whole award round and you go to DNAD and to Art Directors Club New York and so on. And Holy so shit. that won a lot of, of awards. So, so we actually managed to create a few pieces at Grey that were extremely successful creatively. Whoa, so you did the thing. Yeah, yeah, no, we did it. We did it. Wow. I mean, it was a gamble, but we did it. And 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 from there, we then wanted to go back to New York mm-hmm. um, to work with J. Walter Thompson and then got an offer from this agency in Berlin called Heimat. Okay. And and that was probably the best German agency. So we said, okay, let's we met with the owners. They were really, you know, vibing with us and and we had the same ideas and same, you know, philosophy of how an agency should be run and so on. So so we went there instead. And yeah, and I Rainer then went back to Copenhagen, unfortunately, but I stayed for two years, made some nice work at at, at Heimat, and then I felt like like it's time to to do my own thing and Crazy. and and do something you know that is completely mine and 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 weirdly then the guys from Amsterdam called a week later said like well you know we need a German creative director that you know, our executive creative director that can, you know, run a German accounts. They had Warsteiner beer, which is a big German beer at the time. And so on. So said like, well, do you want to join us back in Amsterdam, come back to Amsterdam and, you know, with Richard Gordacki be the creative lead for the agency and so on. And I said, well, no, because I'm opening my own agency, but I could sell you 49% of that and we could run the German accounts in Berlin. And so we did, and then I didn't call it Black Collective, but Amsterdam Berlin instead, which retrospectively probably was a less pubescent and good choice. Yeah. And it and looks cool yeah. on a shirt. And uh... it does look cool on a shirt. <laughs> no, and and so we did that instead. And and it was amazing because, you know, my my now partner, Brian Elliott, backed us in Berlin. Big shout out to Brian. You're the man. This is the camera, I think. I mean, I yeah, both at. actually. For that one, we could choose either technology, cut, whichever, or we could like cut back and forth. For that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait to see what you do with it. It's gonna be great. So, we started this, and we did a lot of the Warsteiner work in Germany, and you know, and we had a small client in Berlin at the time. You met Vince. He yeah. at the time had a startup called Moon. Oh, they were doing everything around sleep. So mattresses started with mattresses, but then also apparel and other things. And he was my client at the time um, with his startup. And, and Did Moon make it to the US? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. I feel like there was something I that I so. saw with branding. But we did some weird shit with Moon. Really? We had the first campaign we made was called German Softness. Uh-huh. It was a mattress <laughs> handmade in Germany. So we, we worked with, we, we wrote this concept. Where Frank Künster, who's one of the most famous bouncers in Berlin, he's like this huge, big guy with a shaved head. And but when you know him, he's actually a very soft, sweet guy, right? Yeah. So we made this. We 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 came up with this idea where, where we said like, well, it would be great to have Frank talk about his feelings naked <laughs> on a moon mattress. I've so, seen that. I've so, yeah. So Vince, Vince had to because I said, "Look, man, you guys don't have any money, so we need to split up. Who does what? So you're calling Frank and asking him if you want to, you know, be on a mattress naked, talking about his feelings." Vince did, and big props to my partner Vince and at this point because he actually convinced him to do it. So we filmed Frank naked on a mattress. He was sleeping most of the time. <laughs> Um, and in a voiceover, he talked about, you know, how he, he feels that, you know, being being physically stronger than most people, it actually allows him to be very gentle, you know. And this turned out to be a small but beautiful and, and very iconic campaign. We also had posters with him laying on this mattress, you know, yeah. like a Greek goddess. That's I remember um, when I was looking up all of like yeah. Amsterdam Berlin in the beginning. Yeah, I saw that shows that. up quite quickly. Yeah. And people actually cut him out and stole him. Like people cut him out, like three meter long naked Frankie was cut out and people took him home. It was insane. It was, it was, so, you know, we did some quite fun work like that together. And then three and a half years down the road, Vince sold his company. And I always needed a partner in Berlin. And by the time Berlin was picking up speed and we were doing more and more and more stuff and, yeah, and then Vince joined as a strategy director and, and my partner in Berlin. And we decided last year to move all the business to Berlin yeah. and just have a small executive office in Amsterdam where my partner Brian is with a couple of people. 
yeah and 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 make berlin the headquarter and you know first amsterdam was called amsterdam worldwide we named amsterdam berlin amsterdam berlin because it's in berlin I see so we now that. decided to consolidate the whole thing under one roof and mm -hmm. and call it all amsterdam berlin and that's been going on for one and a half no two years now almost so Honestly, relatively recent in the scope of well, your whole career. And yeah, I mean, kind of, kind of. I mean, you know, we started Amsterdam Berlin six years ago, but okay, under okay. this, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's been in six this years. form factor. In this form, you know, which is to the outside not really visible. Sure. But in this yeah. form, it's been, it's been two years. Okay. Right? I have um, two immediate questions in like understanding this story now. So, both i'll say them both and then we can get into them both but one is do you feel sad like do you feel like now owning your own company and like having that amount of control is the better of the options and then two is how the fuck do you come up with these campaigns so i don't know i'd say tell me first in owning amsterdam berlin and then we'll get into the campaigns well, I think for me, it's, you know, I mean, you're never alone. You don't do something like that alone. You know, there's my partners, Vince and Brian, mm -hmm. but then there's also a whole team of people who, who who are super important, if not the most important part of this whole thing. I mean, you've met Lena, Dude. who's sleeping on the couch now, who's yeah. awesome and who... <laughs> Who's awesome and who's running the whole account side of the of the business, which is crucial to anything Dude. being done properly. Yeah. Like but then we have an amazing design team. We have amazing strategists. We have great, great, great people. Yeah. And also partners like Race Service, yeah. like Iconoclast in Berlin, like a million other partners that that allow us to do the work we do. And I think we're all driven. Everybody that works at Amsterdam Berlin, my partners, me, we're all driven by the idea of making culturally relevant good work that actually contributes to society rather than trying to sell people shit they don't need dude, for money they don't have. Which is so you know? admirable. But to me, like, I just, there's this struggle, at least that I feel and see, is you have this big grandiose vision and you're like, I want to do cool shit and I don't want to have to answer to dumb rules at like whatever company, whatever. So like you make that leap and you start the company and you've had success, but now you have the extra stress and pressure perhaps of like keeping that company afloat. And well, I think, you know, my, my, my now very dear friend from me was one of the founders of Heimat, Matthias von Bechtholzheim. Mm, of course. Of course. <laughs> he said at some point, every agency gets the clients they deserve. Huh. And I think it's a very true, it's a very true observation because, you know, you, you do a certain kind of work and we try to do work that we think is relevant mm -hmm. and right and, and, you know, doesn't trick people, but actually offers something that, that adds mm -hmm. rather than distracts. And, you know, I think that's the kind of work we, we do. And we, we then get new clients that see that work and that want to do the same work. And we're also turning down a lot of projects. Yeah. And I think none of us is doing it only for the money. I mean, it's, of course, we're not, you know, I don't want to say we're the Robin Hoods of communication because it would be bullshit. Of course, we, we like making money and, and it's a, you know, commercial enterprise we have. And, and it's, it's, of course, fun. It's super fun to, you know, have nice things and, it's and like so on, but it's card. not the it's not the driver. None of yeah. us work because we want to buy a Porsche at the end of the year. Right. Nobody right. nobody at Amsterdam Berlin thinks like that. We work because we want to do great work. Yeah. And my dad told me at some point that, you know, you, you should you should do something that you truly enjoy and really love and then you will probably if you're also a bit lucky, be successful with it. He said, if you do something you don't love, you're never going to be successful. It's impossible. And my dad's very much like me. We're very similar. We're like the same guy. Just He's a few years older than me. <laughs> but we're, we're very, very, very similar. And we're also very close. And I I was lucky enough to, to learn a lot of things from him that I think helped me. Yeah. We also have the same weaknesses. We're also both very impatient <laughs> and, and you know, have a hard time doing things that we don't like. Right. There's a lot of truth in that, that when you do something you truly enjoy, you put extra power into it, you put extra effort into it, and that will ultimately make it better. Yeah. You know, well, and, and I guess you're just a good example of that because now as I'm actually learning your story more and more and hearing the times in your life and the amount of travel and everything you've done, 
there really has been like this like relentless pursuit of doing shit you really believe in and oh, yeah, not absolutely. taking the check. You know, we do this for a client. We do this for clients. We do this for our own projects. I mean, you've seen the Porsche project now, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, I think the future of this industry win will be about, you know, you have a very fragmented media landscape now. Yeah. So it's not like it used to be where you have one big idea and you make one giant film and that then that runs on TV for a year and that's it, right? Yeah. I mean, if you now make a campaign, we've just done the new Under Armour women's campaign and the assets you deliver, it's literally 150 different assets. For Instagram, for TikTok, for YouTube, for Facebook, for this, that, and this. And, yeah. and it's a million, you know, but still you need a big idea that holds it all together that's relevant. And, you know, I, I always think that, you know, people were so scared and or still are scared. A lot of the clients are scared because it's super fragmented. You can't force people to watch your shit anymore. Yeah. You have a democratic democratic democratization. A democratization. Democratization. A democratization. A democratization of the masses, you know, so yeah. people don't need to watch your shit anymore. Yeah. But I think, or I was always like to think that it also opens up chances that if you make things that are entertaining and relevant and 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 just good pieces of community, people will gladly give you their time. Yeah. If you make something where people are like, wow, this is awesome. Why, why wouldn't, and so for me, I've always seen this as a chance rather than a problem, you know, that you can actually make good shit and people will gladly give you their time and will yeah. watch it and will love it. And, 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 you know, there's no reason for communication to be bad. Yeah. You can make the most amazing shit you can dream of, right? I mean, yeah. there's, 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 the possibilities are endless. But I love that comes back to the very beginning of you saying why you liked this because you liked thinking of these, like these challenges, like you liked the challenges it's and the just, creative challenges. It's so difficult. You, you've asked me how, how we come up with these things, right? And, and for me, it's That's just That's literally like, what I was going to get to. Yeah, but it's, there's certain techniques you can use and you can always come up with something good. Always. There's techniques and you sit down and, you know, how you start writing and, and how you write up ideas and there's certain mechanics mechanics to come to good creative and so on really? oh yeah, yeah yeah fuck yeah of course yeah, yeah, yeah. and is that yeah, something yeah. that like somebody could study like oh, yeah, that yeah, sounds massively yeah, yeah. you valuable. can learn it but either you're a good creative or you're not i think it's not like you, you know you can learn the techniques you can learn good writing and i think it's important and not a lot of people do that anymore and nowadays you have you have i mean nowadays i sound like an old man it's always <laughs> been a problem you know you have but now more and more you have people being like oh yeah i'm a creative director and you're like you're a creative director of what? You're right. 22. How can yeah. you be a creative director? How, yeah. How, why? How? You know, like it, it takes experience and you need to learn things and you need to have a certain amount of, of knowledge to be able to be good and be creatively good. And you have need to have seen things. Sitting in a white room, you'll never come up with a good idea. Hmm. You need the input to have output. You need to 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 see things, experience things, meet people, you know, to to be a, to be able to come up with with great ideas and and great work. And in my opinion, it's normally the best ideas are simple. Sony made this this Bravia campaign where they throw a million a million bouncy balls down the hills of San Francisco. This was a campaign about color, so yeah. they threw a million colorful bouncy balls down the hills of San Francisco in slow motion with a beautiful song, and and it was. Great. It was just amazing to watch, right? Yeah. And and you know, it's a simple idea. Yeah. It's a very simple idea, but it's executed in a radical manner. Yeah. And I think that's important is radical execution and not being like, oh, but there's no TV in this. Uh and mm, do people understand? Because bouncy balls are not really related to television. Hmm. There's a million things that you could say that would kill this. Yes. And that is often the problem, that people try to rationalize creative and try to say, like, why is this good? Oh. We need to find the formula why this is good. Right. And there is no fucking formula. Wow. It's a simple idea, and you make it, and if you make it well, it just it's that's the beautiful thing about art, right? Or about creative work. You can't always explain it and you can't always pinpoint why something is amazing why is a song amazing 
Right. Like, why yeah. Why is this one song complete shit and this other song is just fucking genius? Right. And, like, you can understand the format of, like, a chorus and a bridge and all of, yeah, like, Yeah, but still, you different... can't sit down and say, like, I'll write a number one hit now. Right, and right. And that's the beauty of the creative work and, and the creative industry, right, is that it's not graspable in that sense. And yeah. you can't say this is how you do it and this is how it will be successful. Yeah. You know? And the reason what or what still keeps me going after now having done this job for fucking 15 years, more of 17 years, I have to say by now. Yeah. It's just when you have this idea and you fall in love with it and then seeing that come to life and seeing that blossom into something and then seeing other people like it yeah and being able to show the final product to other people that's just one of the best feelings in the world god that's and that can't be compensated with buying a fancy car or buying expensive clothes or you know like sitting in a fat house for me seeing your own ideas come to life and and seeing them do their job yeah and 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 making other people fall in love with it and seeing other people being like this is amazing yeah that's the nicest thing ever that is that is just that that just keeps me personally going and is is what i really enjoy about this job and, yeah. and what i really like doing and you know you meet amazing people along the way and and you um, I, i've been fortunate enough to to be able to collaborate with great people and now i mean this week alone i've probably met like 25 new people that that are an absolute enrichment to to my life yeah you know you included hell yeah yeah well Sorry. no absolutely you know and that's a very beautiful thing and and you know when you do something something together and when you create something together it also bonds you differently than when you're just going out getting shit faced right dude which is also cool it is but like but, but it's just a you're different so connection right. you're when so you can right. make something together yeah and i think that's a you know there's also you've you've called me direct before and i think i am yeah, you know, and and but it's difficult for me, you know. I know, for example, when I gave feedback to to the to the film edit yeah. that, that was made on on the weekend, you know, I can't not give it. It's, right. It's I I have to I, ha- I look at it and I'm like, okay, I see this and this and this is amazing, but it, I think it could be better if we did this and this and that. And it, how and in the world no could you not it. chase no, better? No, I, I have to. No, yeah. I have to. I have to then also say it and and you know, and I'm not always right. I'm yeah. often wrong. <laughs> but and you know um but but at least you know you need to try these things and you need to explore things and you need to to try things out and sometimes you're wrong you know and yeah but i think with with the with the really good ideas with the diamonds you 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 feel it you just you know. feel you feel if something's good or not yeah and like i i i like to think that it's not always apparent why yeah but but i always thought that you you know you you I don't know. You just feel it. Okay. So that's a great question though, because now you have time in the game and you can speak to that. What's your advice to somebody that's listening to this and they fucking have that idea and they know, and they don't have the will and they don't have the people on board. You know, that get the people on board, talk to people, try to try to fascinate people for it. Make it as far as you can write a script, draw it up, you know, try to get it to a point where you can present it in a way that will make somebody else fall in love with it. Mm. So that never you know? really goes away. Like even for you, like even though you've no, proven not. it time no, and time again. Unless you sit down and say like, oh, well, I'll just pay for everything myself. You know, you need to get people on board. You need to, nobody, you're not, you're not going to do anything alone ever. Mm. Yeah. You're not going to be like in this industry, in this, it's not like you can sit down and just, you know, write something and then that's it. Right. And even, even that for writers, for musicians, you you never do something alone. Right. You're never alone. Well, it's, and I think the sooner you learn that, the better it will be. You know, you need to collaborate. Well, that's actually like you're saying all that to me. And that's another very interesting thing that I've noticed about you is like you can be so direct and so like impatient when you see it. And that's fine. But in doing just this project alone, I've watched you like where I could see somebody. It's like, oh, that guy's an asshole. I've watched you do the opposite where you'll see it and you'll say it so directly. It needs to be like this, this, and this. But then when it's time to let a team collaborate and people have their opinions, you let that happen. Oh, and you course. let people work together. Of course, because other people have great ideas too and have great, you know, and 
often better ideas than me. But that's you know? really and, interesting. And, and that's a really interesting balance, is it not? Because you've seen the person, you've seen the person that has to be right. And that has to be, oh, well, I've done this, this, and this, and it's my way or the highway. And you have this very interesting balance. I don't think it's going to get you far if you do that. Right. I don't think it's going to. And I think most people that that do this job well or, you know, it's also maybe maturity and you start to learn this more and more because I've, I've probably been called an asshole many more times than I would like, you know, and and... <laughs> Would I go back now? Would I have done a lot of things differently? For sure. Really? Yeah, of course. Of course. Hell yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I was way harsher in times and also not from, not always from a position of power, but also when I was younger, I'm, I was a, I was a, must have been a nightmare to work with as a junior creative. Really? Nightmare. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was an arrogant little shit. I was like, I was, I was, you know, driven by, by my ideas and so on. But thinking back at it now and the things that I've done and said to my first creative director, Sasha, I mean, you know, I, I, yeah, I would have not accepted that at some right. more than one occasion, you know, and that's something that I will take away from our friendship and from this project is like, the confidence and the certainty of this is the way that something should be and we need to direct this and, and like having a very clear vision, but knowing when to let people collaborate and let the work together. That was a, it's a fine line, an interesting balance, but I, I, I really important. have taken that away from you. It's important because otherwise you're going to be all alone and nobody wants to do things with you and it's going to be boring as fuck and you're not going to produce very good work. Yeah. Because there is people that are great cameramen, that are great directors, that will just make your idea blossom and come to life and it will make it so much better mm -hmm. than you being the one that says, no, it needs to be exactly like this. And it You know, like if you know what's good for you and if you're, I think... As a good creative director, you need to direct people and show direction without giving too much constraint and without, you know, suffocating people. And and it, it's it, I've learned it at some point that that when you let people be and when you can inspire them with a vision, yeah, rather than enforcing your own perspective. It just makes the work so much better. And it's got to be similar with clients too, huh? Like you'll of have course. a bright idea and you have to let them. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's that. so much moping in our industry. There's so much moping of like, oh, and this guy didn't let me do my great ideas. Really? And, you know, like, of course, of yeah, course. Like I mean, every yeah. creative in that industry will be like, oh my God, and the fucking client. And uh, I had this amazing idea and they didn't oh get it. God. I don't, I think, you know, you, no, you didn't sell it to them properly and you wow. weren't able to convince this other person person that your idea is great yeah and of course there's difficult client and of course there's people that maybe lack the vision and that are scared and that you know just want to get the numbers right and so on but i think ultimately it's our job to convince people of our ideas and to ignite this flame in somebody that that this other person burns for your idea as well and says yeah. like oh my god this is amazing Dude. we need to make this That's and if you fail to do so then well it's you know, on you. That's a lesson that I think every creative, anyone in any industry should really like grasp and come to terms with because it's so easy to be the victim and it's so oh, yeah, easy to let someone else of kill course. your dream or of to course. stifle it. But it's like, okay, then where's that get you? Like, yeah. all right, sweet. No, you're upset now. Yeah. Or you can get that grit and that thick skin and the skill to get other people on board or Dude, to learn how to communicate it better. When I compared the ideas that I've made over the last that I've come up with, that I've fallen in love and that I watched die to the ones that blossomed and made it into the final, you know, and that that saw the light. Yeah. 99.9% .9 of my shit died on no the way. Shit. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh of course. My God. For every one campaign that we made, we've written 500. Fuck. There's, there's, this is, but this is, and you learn this in the first agency. Yeah. I remember nights and nights and nights. There's this German car rental company called Sixth, and, uh -huh. and they're a famous client for doing absolutely great work. Always okay. headline-driven, super radical, super okay. provocative work. You know, really using politicians in the campaigns, then getting sued for it, having oh, it to wow. take them down. They're like doing bold they're a shit. bold client. Yeah. And 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 the founder, Erich Sixth, is a is a bold guy. And he's, you know, and I remember, you know, we need one sixth headline. 
for one billboard. That would mean one week of night shifts riding 500 sixth headlines until you have the one that made it and that's the best one you know and and i learned that from from you know from day one that you need to most of your shit will be killed Fuck. by your creative director by the client by circumstance you know you most of your stuff will die but you just dance with and that. you need You're to okay well every that. every good creative needs to dance with that because ultimately that will just make you better and that's just the reality you live in and you can say well that reality sucks yeah and i yeah. would rather have it be a different way but that's not gonna What's get gonna you gonna anywhere well, yeah it's not gonna do anything you know yeah. it's just gonna upset yourself and you're not gonna be very happy because Dude. in reality there is clients and there is you know unless you do something creatively that you're that allows you to complete be completely independent, which I don't think exists. Because if you're an artist, you still have the art collectors, you still have the buyers, you still have the curators, you still have the museums that will show your work or not. Yeah, that will like your work or not. You have the critics. When you're a musician, you have an audience. A creative product can't exist independently of other people. Mm. It only exists independently of a societal context. Ah. You need the societal context in order to bring a creative idea to life. Right. If you want it, you know, Especially you can, of now. course, say, I don't care. I'll, I'm a painter. I'm sitting at home. I'm making my paintings. I don't care what other, and that's fine, right? Yeah. But then you still need to eat and you still need to live and you still need to, and, you know, unless you're fortunate enough to be independent of, of you know, income. Right. Um, yeah, then there's some amount of that. Which I don't think creates very good people. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation, but, you know. Um, I think one thing also that as you're saying all of this, it kind of, it reminds me of a theory that I personally have is you're saying this with such joy, talking about 99.9% .9 of your ideas getting scrapped. But I think that that's a testament into doing something you love. Because when you're doing something you love, what do you care? I think about the, the zero point one percent make up for it. Right. It's a shit feeling having your ideas killed. It sucks. It sucks. It's really not cool. But if you love what you're doing, you're gonna get back up and keep going. Yeah, but you don't love coming up with it. You love making it. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Yeah. So it does suck. Don't yeah. get me wrong. It sucks terribly, terribly. And and having an idea where you know this is amazing and it's gonna be great. And if we would just make this, it would be it would be so good and you really fall in love it's literally like falling in love with another person yeah you fall in love with these ideas and you want to see them made yeah you want to see them come to existence and you know oh, i hated my creative directors at points i hate when i was a junior and i hated the clients and i mean literally for days i, was, I would be so upset but you need to learn to come to grips with that and, yeah. and get back up and do it again because ultimately it doesn't, you know. But you know what I'm saying is like that that shows that you love it. When you come to grips with that and you do get back up and do it again, you'll yeah. you'll do that over and over and over again if you love the thing you do. And well, if you I don't mean, love the thing you do, you're gonna stop. You're yeah, gonna be like, I mean, like I said, it, it it makes the 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 ones that do come to life and the ones that do get attention and appreciation and success and that makes up for it. Yeah. yeah. You know? And it's not about me as a person. Like, I mean, nobody knows who the fuck I am, right? I mean, uh, it's not like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in the background doing these things. But the idea becomes famous, and the idea becomes yeah. relevant. And, and 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 you know, I think that's 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 a lot nicer than than you know. Yeah, that's pretty cool too, actually. Yeah, I, I've always enjoyed this. Yeah, and like you can just travel around and see your idea printed somewhere or whatever yeah, in the best case yes that's we've now made the new cool. under armor campaign it's on it's on yeah. trams it's on, on these trams in berlin which no is way. which is i've never had that and it's such a weird thing because you'd be like yeah okay it's a, it's on a tram but it's so cool seeing these gigantic tra trains running around berlin with this campaign on it it's, it's super cool god okay it's actually that's nice. a great way to conclude the podcast is a two-part question one to date what is your proudest campaign or accomplishment if you can't answer that no i don't know i don't no. think so i think having now this agency and working with this these people within these agency my partners and also all the people that work at amsterdam berlin i think that is super nice yeah having having this this 
brand that we love and that we shape every day and that we continue to grow and work on and seeing that flourish and come to life doing projects with partners like race service yeah you know and and watching that grow and watching that be successful and and that's a huge thing for me and it's 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 yeah i mean that's 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 a nice i love that i think i love that and then second part of that question is in this time like right now like end of 2021 do you have a specific goal that you're looking at that's on a map right now where you're like, yo, if only this, or like, do you have that? that no, I don't right have that one singular goal. I think I, I hope that the agency will continue to flourish and to grow. And, you know, of course I have private things, goals, things I want to sure. do in life and, you know, but there's not this one thing i think you know it's important to as stupid as it sounds to stay healthy because you know that's of course something that everybody takes for granted but Dude. but you know you you see it sometimes how that how quickly that shit can go to hell oh dude and yeah. having the chance and the possibility or continuing to have the possibilities to do this kind of work and meet amazing people and create these ideas and and this work that we all love um i hope i can enjoy that for for as long as i can you know and and if that's the case then i think that's a very good outlook genuinely love what you do (laughs) i guess god that's awesome so there it is moritz's story i hope you liked it one thing i didn't realize is this was his first ever podcast so if you're here at the end and you enjoyed this one do me a massive favor go find him on instagram and tag him share this episode and tag him or shoot him a dm and let him know if you liked it because i feel like that would mean a lot to him his handle on instagram is at m-o-r-i-t-z g-r-u-b you can look up amsterdam berlin as well if you want to go a Above and beyond, there is a Where Are All My Friends Patreon. Any amount of support there is so massively helpful. The podcast is entirely independent. And the more people donate and support, the more I can give directly to my incredible editor, Diana. the more I can upgrade gear and upgrade the podcast in general. So anything there is super helpful. As always, thank you so much for listening. Let me know guests you want to hear from. I'll be back next week with another episode. 